1: Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible study, And thank you, Father, for making this possible. Thank you for blessing us mightily, giving us wisdom for the days to come, Lord, encouragement and knowledge so that we're not taken by surprise of the things that are coming. The world is going to be taken by surprise. Even the Alliance is going to be taken by surprise. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Okay, we're going to continue with overcoming to be in the bride number two. And we call this first revelation. God is not in a house of unforgiveness. This is Winnie Asageda nine twenty seven twenty two. Before I fell asleep, I asked the Lord for a dream to help the body. In this dream, I was in a halfway area, a hallway area, excuse me, beside the UBM ministry, and on a table, there were the basic components and plans for a building structure, such as a foundation, floors, walls, beams, columns, roof, stairs, etc., and you could take these components outside and build a house. Well, she says this represents building your own house, a part of David's house. Hmm, okay. I picked up one uh, that people call a tiny house, and it was made out of unfinished wood and was not painted. In my mind... I was going to use this house to spend some personal time with the Lord and seek Him in prayer. I believe that the Lord was correcting me for missing fellowship because of one of some trials I was having. Okay. Uh, my thought about this is we can't use times of trial as an excuse to skip fellowship. With the body of Christ, Hebrews 10:24 through 25 says, uh, Let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and good works, forsaking, not forsaking our own assembling together as the custom of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day drawing nigh. For if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more a sacrifice for sins." So the Lord's real serious about this. And, of course, he's talking about uh, gathering together with people um, who are biblical people who desire to, the truth and are looking and seeking out truth, right? And, uh, and have the right, um, you know, formula for being a church in the first place. Course, so she said, uh, This small house had large cracks and even a gaping triangular-shaped hole in the wall. Well, cracks and holes represent openings that allow the enemy to come in, right? She said there were also a very tiny key to use to enter the door. However, the keyhole was in the wrong spot, well below where the keyhole was supposed to be. So this was a terrible job done on a house with a bad foundation, And evidently the people that lived there were pretty small because the keyhole was way down, right? So the tiny key represents an inferior version of the key of David. The uh, inferior version will not allow us to bind and loose the enemy, as we will see, and also as the cracks and the holes represent. And Revelation 3 and 7 says... And to the messenger of the assembly in Philadelphia, write, Thus saith the Holy One, the True One, he who has the key of David, the one who opens, and there is none who shuts, and he shuts, and there is none who opens. Amen. The authority to bind and loose, right? If the foundation is faulty, we know that um, the whole rest of the house... Will not be right, and we must build our house on the foundation of Christ and obedience to the truth of His Word. 1 Corinthians 3 and 11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So if you don't, you have a wrong Jesus, you're going to have a wrong foundation, right? Another Jesus. She said, I took these building materials and went outside, and it was a very dreary day and cloudy uh, with no sun. Well, uh, apart from the sun, slash S-O-N, <laughs> we, we can do nothing. You know, uh, John 15 and 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him the same beareth much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Many people are led by their mind. They're not led by the Spirit. They're not waiting on the Lord. They're not seeking His direction. And so you have a a terrible house being built there for man, basically. She said, I built this tiny house very quickly, and uh, I went in. I believe this represents being hasty. uh, Proverbs 21 and 5 The thoughts of the diligent tend to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty hasteth only to want. Yeah. Because if you're not in the will of the Lord, you shouldn't take steps, right? We are walking in the steps of the Lord, the way, right? When I opened the front door in this tiny house, there was a wooden staircase leading downstairs to a basement. Uh, Well, a basement is underground and represents descending uh, to the earthly flesh nature. I went downstairs to pray, but then I heard someone trying to come in, and I was immediately startled. Our prayers are effective if we are in some form of disobedience or separated from the body in some way. And the enemy gains easy access to our spiritual house. She said, I looked up the stairs and saw that two men had opened the door to the tiny house to enter. One black man and the other Hispanic looking. Um, I believe this represents the enemy who is submitted to darkness. Uh, Romans 6 and 16 says, Know ye not? that to whom you present yourself as servants unto obedience, his servants you are whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Amen. She said, I knew they were trouble and were there to harm me, so I distracted them by running up the stairs yelling, Daddy, Daddy, (laughs) as I ran outside to to the right, Well, Galatians 4 and 6 says, And because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba Father. Well, when we get out of the will of the Lord, we don't do anything right, you know, and we're not in the position and the place He has us to be. So we're open to, you know, trouble. She said, I did this so that they would think twice before they attempted to attack me because I had someone around to protect me. Well, when we repent and get back on the right and call out to God, we will have his protection once more. Psalm 34 and 6 says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. Amen. We live and learn, don't we? And as I yelled out, Daddy, in the dream, I thought about my husband, Chuck. Although he is my husband, I believe yelling out, Daddy, represented me crying out to the Lord, who is our Heavenly Husband. And this was showing that the Lord was not in this tiny house, but outside of it. And any other house uh, with any other foundation not rooted in the word of God is a house where the enemy is able to break into. Yes, that's true. And that was the end of her dream. She said, when I woke up, I asked the Lord, what was this about? And was there a disconnect in my spiritual walk that I was not understanding or was not aware of and asked him, a verse, by faith at random, and received Ephesians 4, 32, in context 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and railing be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, even as God also in Christ forgave you. Well, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, that's one way we can be in the will of the Lord and be walking in His steps, right? I believe the Lord was warning me and reminding me not to entertain any thoughts of offense towards anyone. Well, uh, this will result in faction which separates us from Christ and His body. Um, She said, During the last meeting we had, I was being attacked pretty heavily. And it was a fiery dart after fiery dart and so I just praised the Lord through it and was fighting and casting it down it did not feel like my own thoughts but an attack and I asked the Lord for a chapter uh, by faith at random and landed on Colossians 3 which also speaks of forgiving one another Mm -hmm. otherwise you get turned over to the tormentors right Colossians 3, 1-25 says, If then you were raised together with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, and not on the things that are upon the earth. For you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, then shall you also with him be manifested in glory. Oh, glory. Thank you, Father. Put to death, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things' sake comes the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience. Sometimes it's even simpler than this, her revelation there was about just not waiting for the Lord to show you how to be in His will, right? So because we are uh, disciples, we we must be learners and followers of the Lord. You can't uh, do this according to your mind. It has to be according to the Lord. Verse 7, Wherein you also once walked when you lived in these things, but now do ye also put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, railing, shameful speaking out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his doings, and have put on the new man that is being renewed unto knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bondman, freeman, but Christ is all and in all. Amen. Never mind all of the divisions, right? Verse 12. Put on therefore as God's elect, holy and beloved, a heart of compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving each other. If any man have a complaint against any, even as the Lord forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to the which also you were called in one body, And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts unto God. And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen. Verse 18, Wives, be in subjection to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing in the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children that they be not discouraged. Servants, obey in all things them that are your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service, as men-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatsoever you do, work heartily, as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that from the Lord you shall receive the recompense of the inheritance. You serve the Lord Christ. For he that doeth wrong shall receive again for the wrong that he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Amen. And the last verse I received by faith at random was Deuteronomy 8 and 6, And thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. You know, so much good advice in this text that she just gave here. Uh, but it takes some meditation. You have to remind yourself, you know, um, of these things. You you can't just read that one time and go on about your business because you will forget it, right? It, t- it takes diligence to uh, write the word upon your heart, right? Okay, this next revelation we called playing the game in a dump and smashing the competition. Uh, Claire Pinar six twenty seven twenty two. In this dream, Claire, uh, I believe, represents the bride because her name means brilliant, and the bride's garments are bright and pure, as is spoken of in Revelation nineteen and eight. And it was given unto her that she should array herself in fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. I dreamed that my family was on our way to a tennis match. A tennis match represents spiritual warfare and uh, the ability to effectively return the fiery darts to the enemy in competition for our eternal salvation. She went on to say, We parked our car. And we were called up to go play on top of a rubbish dump. (laughs) Well, as we will see, the apostate church's foundation is built upon a big pile of garbage. Okay. It was rather sad. And Rion said, I think this dream is about a type of face-off or battle between the true church that has been practicing doing spiritual warfare for a long time and is very prepared versus the apostate churches who built their church on the rubbish of this world. Claire went on to say, we were clean and properly clothed for the occasion and we had practiced. Ah, reminds me of Hebrews 12 and 11. All chastening seems for the present to be not joyous but grievous, yet afterwards it yields peaceable fruit unto them that have been exercised thereby, even the fruit of righteousness. She said, It seemed our whole family was playing, and so we had strength in numbers. I don't know what group tennis would look like in the natural, but in the dream, my family was divvied up to play doubles and triples so that we beat more opponents more quickly. Okay, well, Ephesians 4 and 15 and 16 says, but speaking truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, even Christ from whom all the body fitly framed and knit together through that which every joint supplieth, according to the working in due measure of each several part, maketh the increase of the body unto the building up of itself in love. She went on to say it was easy because the other families were fragmented. So they were all working as a team, right? Luke 11:17 says every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided against a house falleth Yep She said there were many weekend dads who did not understand their daughters nonverbal or body language clues of unhappiness embarrassment or frustration <laughs> So well these Weekend dads represent the, the false shepherds who climb up another way. John 10 and 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door, but into the fold of the sheep, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Yep, there are weekend preachers, weekend uh, Christians, uh, and there's weekend dads. Mm-hmm. There were many moms who were very judgmental about the surroundings, and that could be representing Jezebel, the mother of the apostates, right? One family lived right next to this rubbish dump. They deceived many into thinking their home was worth so much more than it was. Well, the apostate churches deceive many into thinking that their religion is valuable with their fancy buildings and uh, but they are founded on the rubbish and uh, of false religious doctrines and their stinking thinking, basically Everyone had to walk through their home to get to the rubbish dump to play tennis. <laughs> Well, we know that many have passed through the garbage house of apostate Christianity on their way out to uh, maturity in Christ, hopefully. Um, she said, I remembered looking at the house, and as I walked through, uh, and I was thinking, it's like a giant sinkhole. It'll collapse any minute. <laughs> well, religion is a sinkhole that that keep people buried in their earthly or fleshly natures and many never escape dead religion it was perfectly decorated inside but it was hollow and the foundation had crumbled away due to neglect i was thinking of hebrews 2 and 3 how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation Uh, It's the most important reason we're on this earth in the first place, right? Rion said the apostates are not prepared. They don't see what is coming. They're not looking after their fruit, and they have no idea how to have faith. Yes, they're not prepared for what's coming. They're listening to a lot of um, peace and prosperity preachers in most cases. We finished the games, and I think our family wiped out all of the opponents. I walked back to the car so excited for us to move on. The coach gave us a plastic laminated piece of paper that detailed all the next tournament's events. Uh, The laminated paper represents being saved and protected from the waters of judgment meant for the apostates in the world. It might represent the same thing as those uh, two stones on which the Lord, you know, uh, wrote the Word, right? Um, I was holding on to it, she said. And uh, she says these are the promises that we must hold on to by faith. Amen. Let the Holy Spirit bring to remembrance everything He says to you, but you have to put it in there for Him to bring it to remembrance. Remember that. (laughs) Everyone else from my family was at the van waiting for me. I passed a man who had his daughter for the day, and when he saw me, he yelled to another single dad, I am so glad you don't make any effort, mate, I hate these types with their laminated sheets and water bottles. They're so prepared for everything. Sounds like a, a good comment, <laughs> but it was sarcastic, right? Many who are critical in their minds uh, throw their words around and veil their hatred with sarcasm. Uh, Proverbs twenty-six, eighteen and 19 says, Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death, so is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, was I not joking? Mm -hmm. Everything becomes a joke when they get faced off, right? So these men were dressed completely in black, and their daughters were dirty and unkept. Well, the factious apostate church leadership has dirty children, and their churches are the dirty daughters of the harlot. Amen? Because the only thing that makes you clean is that you serve the Lord and get washed with the Word of God, right? The waters of the Word. One started mouthing off about how pathetic people like me are. And Rion... Blair's husband said they walk in darkness and are coming against the bride with witchcraft and slandering. Yes, they are. He finished by saying, our kids don't need structure or care. They just need to get out of there and get dirty. That's kind of the way they think. Sad to say. Ezekiel 34, 2 through 5. Thus saith the Lord, Woe unto the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe you with the wool, you kill the fatlings, but feed not the sheep. The sheep need the food of the word, right? Not the goats. They don't care about that. But they need the food of the word. And if they are sheep, they will eventually get out of there and come out from among them, right? The diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought back that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with rigor have you ruled over them. Yes, do it because I say so. Not because God says so, but because I say so. (laughs) and they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food to all the beasts of the field and were scattered like these scattered families, right? I walked back to the van saddened that these people thought I was too prepared. I asked Rian about it and he said, we're the ones getting out of the dump. (laughs) Yeah, they're stuck here. Now let's go. Then I woke up. And Rion says, The bride and her fruit easily overcome these spirits. I agree. I asked the Lord for a verse by faith at random, and my finger landed on Esther 8 and 2. And the king took off his ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it unto Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Well, folks, it's coming. It's coming very fast. Because the Lord is coming in his man-child to choose the bride. And the bride has been given authority over Haman's house. So it won't be the alliance that brings down Haman's house. It will be the bride who brings down Haman's house. That's what happened. Okay, another revelation cleaning up the garbage leads to the anointing. Amen. Claire Pinar eleven seventeen twenty two. I dreamed that I was watching David teach in a little white home, representing the house of David, who are the pure and righteous first fruits, which is made up of a small group of people. Okay. I was sitting on a white bench with Rion and another person. David was doing a live talk, representing speaking the rivers of living waters, I believe, that give life to the hearers. Amen. Rion and I then started cleaning and sorting out everything in this little house. Then we went outside and I saw David's son. Representing those who are born of the David Manchild Reformers. He drove a white garbage truck and he was picking up everyone's refuse in the area. He pulled his truck into David's yard and stopped. Well, I believe the Manchild David Reformers will first clean up the house of David, and then the sons of that house will clean everyone else up in the body of Christ. Jesus sent out his spiritual seed to do this. His disciples, he sent them out to do this, cleaning up. God can't give the anointing uh, on a pile of rubbish, right? Many people then left this residential area, and there was so much to clean, Amen. We know as Jesus' spiritual sons were sent out to clean up the body of Christ so it will be that the man-child reformers and their disciples will work to clean up the body of Christ. And part of this cleaning process is not only sanctifying the people but also separating the tares from the wheat. David's son left Then and we had to use the truck. We were also given David's son's home, which was right next to David's house. And I guess that's because they too were sons of David. Amen. Rion was given the truck by David, and I sat in the passenger seat. I then saw a golden oil over Rion. David and I, okay, oh, golden oil poured over. David said, because you have cleaned, you are anointed. You hear that? Because you have cleaned, you are anointed. Because you have served, you are anointed. Okay, the anointing comes uh, when the garbage is purged from the house of David and from then uh, to the people. Because it all starts in Zion, does it not? Yes, that's right. The Lord is coming to Zion, and from Zion the law is going to go forth. Amen. I received by faith at random Mark 10 and 19, in context 17 through 23. And as he was going forth into the way, there ran one to him and kneeled to him and asked him, Good teacher, What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, even God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor thy father and mother. And he said unto him, Teacher, all these things have I observed from my youth. And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. He knew there was some kind of idolatry here, no doubt. Go and sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But his countenance fell at the saying, and he went away sorrowful, for he was one that had great possessions. Possessions rule over people, and uh, they are idols, and so on. And we really don't need much. We're running out of time here. The only thing important is for us to receive the word of God in our hearts and to give it to others. And Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? So, you know, we have no time left to indulge in the world or its pleasures, hobbies, or all the other things that distract. We only have time to bring in the harvest and go home. Amen. Another one, Escaping Apostasy to be Chosen for the Bride. Samuel Fire, 11,17,22. I dreamed that Tiana and I were separated in our own rooms far apart from each other, representing the factious apostate church system uh, that we start out in, which keeps believers separated through denominational divisions, We were in a very strict and oppressive place, like a prison. Well, uh, apostate religion is a prison with many rules and regulations that prevent people from being free to be led by the Holy Spirit. In fact, they don't teach people to be filled with the Holy Spirit in many cases. It had a factory in the center Uh, Factories churn out many cookie-cutter items, including cookie-cutter Christians. But they all look alike, and they all believe the same thing, unless they're seeking the Lord for themselves. The water was so polluted and green and very poisonous and hazardous, it was channeled by a man-made canal. Well, the polluted water represents perversions of the word In man-made apostate religion, Ezekiel 32 and 18 says, Seemeth it a small thing unto you to have fed upon the good pasture, but you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture, and to have drunk of the clear waters, but you must foul the residue with your feet, meaning they don't walk in agreement with the word, so everybody else under them thinks it's okay to do that too. Everywhere had concrete flooring and metal walls and roofs, no plants or animals. In other words, everything in the apostate church system is man-made, dead, and has no life in it. The only people around were workers, and there was no supervisor or higher-ups. And this represents justification by works, with no supervision from the Holy Spirit. No one was happy. Uh, the apostates have no joy of the Lord because they are in bondage to self-works. The sky was overcast, and the sun, uh, S-U-N slash S-O-N, could not shine through. Hmm. Second Corinthians four three and four says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled in them that perish, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of the unbelieving that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should not dawn upon them. Of course this is right after Second Corinthians three and eighteen where he says With an unveiled face we behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord and are transformed into that image. So this is the whole point, you know, of coming into the image of the glory of Jesus Christ. Everything was automated where possible, representing the mindlessness of rote religion, which is a mechanical or habitual repetition of something to be learned uh, security, she said, uh, was with drones and checkpoints with very high walls with barbed wire and metal doors which only opened at certain times with a unique code. So, this place, she says, represents the spiritual prison of apostate religion. Yep. They do everything to make you believe that they have the truth and that you really can't go anywhere else. That's the high walls, the barbed wire and everything. They want to impress you that you can't go anywhere else. You can't grow up. You can't climb out of the playpen, right? This place was so horrible and we wore hazmat suits with a helmet gloves, and boots all the time unless we were in our rooms. Well, yes, religion provides a toxic environment that causes spiritual death. The rooms had a code lock and the doors were like a submarine and the size of the room was so tiny it could barely fit a bed, shower, and toilet with a lock lock a locker for the hazmat suits. (laughs) Nothing else would fit in the room. There were no comforts, no windows, just an artificial ceiling light. Well, there is uh, no comforter there. The Holy Spirit is not allowed. Uh, It's delightful to follow the Holy Spirit. It's happy to follow the Holy Spirit. But uh, all of these regulations and rules are because they don't have Christ living in them, causing um, the Word to come alive in them. They do not believe in the good news of the gospel which comforts us. Their light of the Word is an artificial light because it is not the real thing, right? Right? The sleeping areas were divided into sections, and there was a center area for work. Uh, the entire facility felt like a prison with a work factory in the center. Of course, they're building a kingdom of men here, and four men in most cases. Um, they don't understand the continual Sabbath rest, and they're divided up into sects and are separated from Christ, justification by works is the central theme of the apostate religion. Uh, Galatians 5 and 4 says, You are severed from Christ, ye who would be justified by the law. You are fallen away from grace. Mm -hmm. We had to leave our rooms for the assigned job at an exact time or miss out on any chance for food or water or even risk being forced onto uh, the streets. Well, many apostate churches and their leadership are so rigid in their belief system that if you start asking questions about what the Bible says, refuting their doctrines, they will kick you out of their churches. Mm -hmm. I was assigned to work as a pump operator for the water and the liquid waste. They want everyone to propagate their toxic waters and pump it out to others to try to ensnare more people into their religious system. I pressed switches and pulled levers and checked gauges with cameras and a a computer giving out data. So they manipulate people, especially with the tithe and other ways that they have of manipulating people, condemnation, and uh, so on and so forth. I had no brakes and had to stand in a tiny area where I could barely move or stretch. Well, the Nicolaitan preachers don't want people to grow up into maturity in Christ because they will lose their control over them. Amen. When my time was completed for the job, I had to race to the open concrete courtyard to an automated chute where the daily rations were distributed, and then the door quickly shut. The first ones there got fed, but many more people would miss out. Well, it could be representing that they swallowed the word like a pig without ruminating on it and don't really take the time to meditate on it so that they miss out on what God is trying to show them. This is our food. Yep, they just blast on through it and uh, don't really t- stop to look and think. Oh, what is this saying? What is the context? Uh huh. That, that will deliver you from most dead religion right there. Just doing that. The food and water were so basic, completely flavorless and odorless, and uh, looked grayish. And uh, she said, This represents lifeless food and not living water. There were uh, breakouts of many people being infected with something and acting mindless like zombies. <laughs> Well, most of these people have no faith in God to preserve them or heal them. And as such, they have taken the vaccines, which ultimately brings one to this exact description of mindless zombies. Did you know that? Study it carefully. It's the plan of the deep state to control your mind and to control you. And when you trust in the beast or you trust in the harlot who trusts in the beast, you're in trouble. They would be in a very large or in very large groups swarming different areas and breaking things and overrunning buildings into the dangerous and polluted water. These infected people were once workers who were exposed to something that kept spreading. Well, we know a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, if you church floods with these people and you don't preach enough word To separate the righteous from the wicked, uh, then the whole group will become um, poisoned by those that come in. Many times people come in for bad purposes, and of course, uh, if you're preaching enough of the word, pretty soon they'll say they'll either decide to be a disciple and follow the word, or they will depart. It's supposed to be that way. Don't keep them in there so that they continue to leaven the body. So many times the infected would cause forced lockdowns and everyone who could would run for safety to the next section in the facility. So, obviously they don't want things to get out. (laughs) Many who recognize that something is off in today's churches flee to other churches or fellowships trying to escape the infection only to find more of the same. 2 Timothy 3, 5-7 says, Holding a form of godliness, but having denied the power thereof, from these also turn away. For of these are they that creep into houses and take captive silly women laden with sins, led away by divers' lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yes, it's a sad situation, and uh, the the righteous will escape it, and they will learn from it. Mm-hmm. There would then be a a type of cleanup, which was so, some sort of automated system that basically destroyed all with a giant fire. Well, if anyone attempts to bring in truth, they stamp it out and change the subject nothing to see here right kind of like the pharisees uh, when jesus brought so much truth you know they were jealous and angry and they just got rid of him yeah whenever i could i would uh, meet up with uh, tiana and we would discuss and pray on any way possible out of this place or for a better type of living arrangement and I heard there was an opportunity to work in a better position and have my room in the same building as Tiana. So I applied and was accepted. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Samuel and his wisdom here. <laughs> if you petition the, fa- the Father and seek after the truth, you will find it. But many times this happens in stages and not all at once. Religion is like the playpen of Christianity. Once you begin to mature and recognize the spiritual dangers of apostate religion, you can be promoted to better living conditions, right? Like climb over the bars, get out, right? Matthew 7, 7, and 8, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. A good promise. And he means it. I was then working in my own office and had more room. I could sit down and do much more computer work and could see more details of the facility. Well, when we understand the good news of the gospel, it sets us free, and we have more room to grow in Christ, and we have more discernment to see all the flaws of man-made religion. After what seemed to be over a year of this, I met with Tiana, and we heard of a secret meeting where people would be in a type of clan where new members would be selected to their group and given a much better living environment. So uh, don't let the word clan um, deceive you here. It's, it's being used in a good way. The, the hidden or secret clan represents the family of the bride of Christ who dwells in heavenly places and not on the earth. And this is the much better living environment. The offer was good, and we had to find this secret meeting room. In the Bible, Esther was a type of the bride, and her name means hidden. Well, that could be representing, they say, uh, Mount Zion or the secret place of the Most High. Yeah, that's true, I believe. Revelation twenty one and two says, "And I saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God." See, it's being the bride is being born from above, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Amen. It was a very big challenge. We uh, entered the kingdom through much tribulation. This is true. Tiana and I snuck out, climbed over various walls and over barbed wire areas with automated sensors. Huh. Well, the demonic enemies um, put up many spiritual roadblocks and snares to prevent us from coming into the broad body and coming out of apostasy. This is what religious spirits are. They are spirits that want to keep you in bondage to a dead religion so you won't grow up and be any threat to the kingdom of the devil, right? So we crawl through ventilation shafts. Well, the word for spirit is breath, and Jesus compared the Spirit of God to wind. And going through ventilation shafts represents being filled with the Holy Spirit and led into closer relationship with God. We had to shimmy through pipes over the green lethal waters and into the other sections of the facility. This represents overcoming the false doctrines, the beliefs that we learned in the apostate religious system, and so on. We did this for days with no sleep and no food or water besides that which we had brought with us. So I believe this represents intercessory prayer with fasting and uh, death to self. All this is necessary to reach the bride. Hebrews 12 and 14, Follow after peace with all men and the sanctification without which no man shall see the Lord. So we managed to locate the secret meeting room and had to get on uh, top of the building's roof and swing into a specific window to get in. And once inside, there were about 50 people crowded together, and there were four lines of people. Well, uh, even after coming out of this, there is still a separation. We've watched it happen Um, As we will see, these four lines of people represent of the four types of ground that the sower's seed fell upon. Because even after they come out, they, they love it when they first come out, just like in the parable of the sower, but then they fall away. So there's still a separation to go on even after you come out of these dead churches. Tiana spoke to me and uh, felt a certain one to choose, and I agreed, and we uh, lined up behind three others. Those three were denied and not allowed into the clan, and it was now our turn. Many are called, but few are chosen. A muscular and tall man tested both of us with pats across the shoulders and back and all over, Uh, squinting at us. Then suddenly a lady, uh, probably a representative of the corporate bride body, behind him told him to stop. She motioned to both of us to come over to her. Sounds like Biden sniffing turkeys. I don't know if you saw that meme or not. She said, "I feel you both are good, and you are to come with us. Something in my spirit tells me to." Ah, okay. The bride has good discernment, which helps her to recognize true bride material. Not that not that people will all will go through all of the tests and succeed, but at least at that point they're ready to continue. I replied, "Oh, really?" You know about the spiritual? Well, the bride is very acquainted with the Spirit of God because she only receives the seed of her husband, Jesus. And then Tiana and I went with them to their building. It was a communal living environment representing I would say, everything in common, like uh, the first century Book of Acts church and being one in Christ's spirit. He went on to say, they had tables and chairs and a fridge and much better comforts than we had before. We both were so thankful to God and knew from then on everything was going to be way better. Second Corinthians 13 and 11 says, Finally, brethren, be perfected, be comforted, be of the same mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. And then I woke up. Now, that's cool. Good revelation. And this one we call, Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And Vanessa Weeks received this two nineteen twenty two. I dreamed that my husband Barry and I were asleep in bed at night, represented being uh, at rest in trials and tribulations, right? I was awakened in the dream by the loud sound of a white supersonic jet flying above our area. An example, uh, she said, in parenthesis, of overcoming the world. Amen. I thought it was very unusual for this kind of jet to fly this late at night. Well, overcoming seems unusual and feels difficult in the dark trials of our lives. When you have to walk by faith and not by sight, right? I knew in the dream that it was a fighter jet and going to help others who were already fighting. I prayed, Lord, be with them to bring about what is best for your people. Amen. Well, the overcomers are fighters who overcome in their personal trials so that they can help others to overcome in their personal trials. Then I thought Barry was awake also because of the noise, and he got up. But as he was leaving the room, I realized it was not him, but lakisha
0: <clears throat>
1: Barry represents our heavenly husband, Jesus, who dwells in his bride and helps her to overcome joyfully, because lakisha means happy or joyful. In John 16 and 33, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Don't forget that command now. Be of good cheer in the dark trials, right? Also, Keisha is uh, most likely to a variant of Kaziah. Keziah originates in the Hebrew language and means cassia tree. Cassia is an evergreen tree, uh, which probably represents eternal life, right? They don't go up and down with the seasons, right? And Keziah was one of Job's daughters that the Lord gave him after his tribulation. Amen. Job forty-two thirteen through 15 says he had also seven sons and three daughters and he called the name of the first Jemima and the name of the second Keziah and the name of the third Karen Hapuch and in all the land were no women so found so fair as the daughters of Job and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren okay Well, Father, help us to be of good cheer, uh, she says, in our tribulation, because you have overcome the world. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're supposed to be of good cheer, knowing that this path leads to eternal uh, heavenly bliss, right? Uh, Next one we called Abraham's Example to the Bride. And uh, Claire Pinar had this one, 10, 26, 22. I had a vision that I was in a large undercover training pool. We are under the covering of Jesus' blood, she says. In other words, being washed in the water of the Word. Right. Father Abraham was in the lane next to me. Hmm. Galatians 3:26 through 29 says, "For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ." And there can be neither Jew nor Greek. There can be neither bond nor free. There can be no male and female. For you are all one man in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. So Abraham was right next to her. I was in the pool swimming laps. In a weightless white garment. First John one and seven says, "If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin." My garment is weightless because it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through thirty. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So often we are bearing the burden instead of letting the Lord bear the burden, right? We've cast it all into his lap, and we um, consider that the fiery trial is just a way to come into more of Christ, right? My hair was turning gray, but my face still looked young. Well, the bride is growing in wisdom, represented by the gray hair, but still retaining her beauty, she says. Amen. Amen. Abraham was encouraging me to continue. I was sweating and breathing hard, even though my body seemed to do the swimming strokes with ease and proficiency. And she has in parenthesis, Christ's na- nature becomes our second nature, uh, familiar and easy, like uh, like Philippians 3, 12-14. Not that I have already obtained or am already made perfect, but I press on, if so be, that I may lay hold on that for which also I was laid hold on by Christ Jesus. Just recognize that you're not in any accident, right? That the Lord is sovereign. He's in control. Go through your trials with joy. You know, just overcome in the midst of it. Hold fast to the Word in the midst of it. And verse 13 goes on to say, Brethren, I count not myself yet to have laid hold, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, because the devil likes to remind you of your past and your failures, but when you're learning to walk, uh, those failures would just hold you back. you got to get your eyes ahead. And, uh, and stretching forward to the things which are before, it says, I press on towards the goal unto the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, there is a prize. And you go through uh, tests, trials, tribulations to get there. Well, the Bible points us to Father Abraham as an example of great faith in the promises of God. Galatians 3, 6-9 through 9 says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto him for righteousness, he believed God even over and above the trial he was in and the lack that he had, he was believing God, right? Know therefore that they that are of faith, the same are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then, they that are of faith are blessed with the faithful Abraham. I said it is so hard because I was out of breath and tiring. Um, And she has a note here, we need refilling of the Holy Spirit. The enemy will wear us down by getting us into self-works or anxiety, etc., you know. Well, that's true. Uh, We must not focus on our own ability to please God and uh, live righteously, or we will fall into self-works and self-justification, and we will fail. She went on to say, Abraham replied, yes, but keep going. Just keep swimming. Your reward will be made full. So Abraham is saying, just keep on going. You know, just keep on going. You will reach your goal. And Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Holding on to well-doing in the midst of trials is what it's all about. You are choosing to have more of God and less of you, right? Right? He got out of the pool then, and he was wearing the same light pink tunic and sandals he wore when he visited me in a vision in 2018. Well, light pink, she says, represents the love of Christ. And I knew then that it was Abraham for sure. He said, don't get out until you're done, quote unquote. I said, why are you getting out? And he replied, my faith is complete and my race is finished. Okay, so again, uh, we're in this race now, right? And we have to walk by faith. Well, Hebrews 6, 13 through 15 says, For when God made promise to Abraham, since he could, not, could swear by none greater, he swear by himself. Saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And thus, having patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Mm-hmm. Well, Reon said, We must each run our own race and endure unto the end. That's what Jesus said. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. You endure the fiery trials. You know that they only burn up the wood and the stubble. You trust that, that God will do that. And you trust that you will come out uh, in His image. Amen. I asked the Lord, she said, for a word by faith at random for this dream and received Matthew 13, 32, in context 31 uh, to 32. Another parable set he before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is less than all seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the heaven come and lodge in the branches thereof. Okay, so even though we feel our faith is small or ineffective according to what we see, if we endure to the end, we will produce much fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen. So, once again, Samuel and Tiana got this on ten twenty eight twenty two. Praying in tongues rewrites our spiritual code. I will say it restores your DNA, as we just recently discovered, which may be another word for spiritual code here. Anyway, they said, This is a vision I got while driving with Tiana and little David, and we were praying in Holy Spirit tongues. That's a good thing to do all of the time. He showed me how not many understand how tongues work in the spirit realm. It is like how I can alter things through computer coding. I saw us recoding the imperfections and corruption uh, in us and our situations as we drove along and spoke in tongues. Well the gift of tongues is powerful. Uh, to affect positive change in our lives and situations. It's the Holy Spirit praying through us according to the will of God. You can't get any more powerful than that. They say tongues is the least gift, but that's silly, because he gave it to the most people. (laughs) Not only is it our spoken word, but it is a heavenly language that prays the perfect will of God into existence. Amen. We were updating and patching all of the areas of our lives with what we speak, clearing out the corrupted and vulnerable codes and the abuse from all witchcraft and curses sent against us and replacing them with His ultimate security, reclaiming it back for His kingdom. Well, in this way, we overcome the darkness with the light. Pray in tongues. I saw how everywhere we went on the drive the whole time, speaking in tongues, wrote a blessing and returned it upon the enemy, uh, blocking and destroying the witchcraft. Amen. You have enemies that don't want you to succeed. Speaking in tongues is necessary. And when we speak his holy language, his power goes out and is eternal, unstoppable, infinite and perfect. this encouraged us to do this not only to get in his presence and praise him but also to restore and be in uh, conduit uh, be a conduit for his power uh, for him and his glory. Well amen amen that's awesome true too. Uh, this next one we call We Have an Open Heaven. Vanessa Weeks, 10 19, 22. And Vanessa said, In a dream, I was standing on our deck outside our apartment. And she says, This deck in uh, other dreams is where I've prayed. Amen. It was much bigger than in real life. Well, whether we realize it or not, our prayers, when mixed with the faith of God, are much bigger and more powerful than we understand. The deck was made all of wood, like it is, but went out much farther, and there was a semicircle shaped extension to the deck on the right. It had different colors of wood in it and was very attractive looking. And I walked over to it and stood there looking out. It was like an observation point. And she says it represents uh, discerning what we see in the world. And then we are able to pray about those things as we enter into heavenly places. Amen. Amen. Then I saw there were wooden stairs in the middle of the deck. These were going up, and I saw Michael on the stairs, so I followed him up. Well, Michael's name means who is like God, and he represents those who have the nature of Jesus and who have an open heaven to their prayers. Well, Vanessa went on to say, there were flights of stairs, and at the end of each set, there was the semicircle balcony landing on the right for observation. So as I climbed higher, I was shown a bird's eye view of the whole scene. The the flights of stairs went way up into the sky, and Michael remained ahead of me. I think this represents that uh, we draw closer to God in faith and prayer, and the more discernment and maturity we have to see the bigger picture uh, of His plan. And no, in other words, a lot of people just stay on the bottom floor and pray, quick prayer, and uh, they don't do diligence, you know, to wait on God and to see the whole plan. So I asked the Lord what he wanted to say about this dream and received by faith at random, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it, it will be opened. Well, that's interesting. Somebody just got that, right? That's, it's a very important a promise as we see a bigger view of the need, we should always pray and um, continue as I thought on this scripture, I remember Michael always saying, We have an open heaven. Amen. I believe the Lord was showing me that, as we ask in faith, we are climbing into the open heaven. And when we persevere, we receive. This is true. As I was listening to David's audio, advance or lose ground. At the 1734 mark, David speaks of Matthew 7 and 7. And then I remember this dream above. Well, below is a portion of the transcript of advance or lose ground. At the 14 minute 35 mark, David said, A lifetime of prayer mounts up. People who pray get a lot of answers. People who don't pray do without. It says, You have not because you ask not. James 4 and 2 think about that. The Lord says, for this reason, pray without ceasing. Yes, pray about everything. Some people's idea of prayer is wrong. In other words, they have a wrong idea about what prayer looks like or about what they should pray for. But let me say, The more you dig in the Word as you pray, the more your understanding of what you should pray for comes to light. It's like climbing higher and higher on those those stairs and uh, having a bigger and better view, right? But prayer can be uh, anywhere from in your thoughts, continually praying about the things you see around you and the things that come to your mind, the people that come to your mind, etc. You know, when you're into praying, God will make sure He continues to give you things to pray for because He's looking for people like that. Why would God tell us to pray without ceasing if He was not going to answer the prayers? And why, if we believed that He would answer prayer, would we not pray without ceasing? Wow. You know, just... Act as though you believed that when you pray, God heard your prayer. (laughs) Well, he said, you have not because you ask not, James 4, 2. And um, this meaning, just ask. Jesus told his disciples to ask so that their joy would be made full. John 15 and 11. Amen. Just ask. I mean, he was uh, begging them to ask, right? Glory to God. It needs to be done. Ephesians 6 and 18. With all prayer and supplications, praying at all seasons in the Spirit. In the Spirit. There we are again. And watching thereunto in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Well, that's a pretty broad statement uh, that he wants us to pray always for all the saints and persevere, meaning pray, believe you have received, pray for other things, believe you have received, and persevere in prayer. Don't take no for an answer. Philippians 4 and 6 says, In nothing be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known unto God. So, thanksgiving is important because thanksgiving is believing you have received. In other words, you pray and you give thanks, even before you see it. That's, that's faith. That's how faith works. And the Greek word for desis is translated uh, supplication and means to seek, ask, and entreat. <laughs> Sounds pretty much like the verses we've been looking at there. Uh, it's not just a prayer. It's a, an effectually fervent prayer, right? Seek, ask, entreat, which reminds us of the promise of Jesus in Matthew 7 and 7, and he says, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Okay, wow, we think about that. Does that not give you faith? Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Faith comes of hearing, and hearing by the word, Romans 10 and 17. That's right out of the mouth of our Lord Jesus. Seek and you shall find, he said. Right? The reason people don't pray is that they don't believe that God answers prayer. Yeah. Believers have special privileges with God. For themselves and for others, and uh one of these privileges is that they can come boldly before the throne and ask for help in time of need Hebrews four sixteen. And the reason they do that is because they're believers. Non believers can play the religion game, but they wouldn't pray because they don't believe what Jesus said. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Amen. Here, we, we call this Overcomers Put on a Bridal Garments. And this was by Anonymous, five eleven and 12. A little while back, uh, David taught on what was beautiful to the Lord. It brought to my remembrance a dream I had back in 2010 where the Lord was giving me understanding about what is pleasing and beautiful to Him. Well, this is the criteria for choosing the bride, right? What is beautiful to Him. I dreamed that an angel of the Lord took me to heaven. We were going down a long hallway, and at the end of the hallway, I could see a door. I could barely see that something was written on the door, but I was still too far away to make it out. As we got closer, I could see that it had my name in big bold letters on the door. And the angel said, this is your room. Go ahead and open the door. I stood there for a few seconds while it registered in my brain that the angel said that this was my room. Wow, I have a room. (laughs) I said, the angel said, uh, again, go ahead, open the door and go in. So I opened the door and took a few steps inside the room. Directly in front of me, I saw a row of drawers with handles. It reminded me of a post office where they have all these little cubby holes for the mail, except these cubbies were drawers that had handles. I stood there looking at these drawers for a few minutes as I uh, wasn't sure what to do next. The angel of the Lord said, Go ahead, open the drawers. They are your drawers to open. I would say, Uh, All of these promises are ours, you know, are ours. And uh, they're ours already. We just need to ask and receive. Like Jesus said, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you received them and you shall have them. Amen. So I opened the first drawer and reached inside and pulled out a piece of paper that was rolled up. I unrolled the paper and up at the top of the paper it read, Certificate of Completion. So I read down a little further, and it read, You have successfully overcome anger. And there was a stamp that read, Completed, across the certificate, making it a formal document. It reminded me of a high school diploma. And I thought to myself, Wow, I've overcome anger. How cool is that? I was so excited by this that I turned around and showed it to the angel. He just laughed since he was happy that I was so excited. He said to me, there are more drawers. Go ahead. Open them all. They belong to you. See, there is so much that God has prepared for us in prayer, and we can go for it, go after it, right? Everything he said is our promises. Why don't people look at the word more often, study it, get it in their hearts more often? Those promises are for us. So I proceeded to open the drawers, and when I opened the last drawer and pulled out the roll certificate, it read, incomplete, needs more work. I very slowly read the certificate to see what it contained. It read, Self-condemnation. Incomplete needs a little more work. I knew this was true. Even as a child, I had a way of punishing myself more than anyone. I took so much to heart and had so much guilt and suffered from lack of love and self-worth. The angel cheered me up. He said, "Look, it says you need a little more work." He was so nice to me and instantly uh, I felt better. I said, "Oh, thank you, Lord, for showing me what I have overcome and what I still need to work on." Amen. After I finished, that's by the way when you read the word, that's what you get, you know. You know uh, what you need to work on. And after I finished opening all the drawers, I looked around the room and saw a treasure chest. It was beautiful and had all kinds of different jewels on the outside. I got down on my knees and ran my hands across the treasure chest. I just wanted to touch those beautiful jewels. The angel had been standing behind me and I turned around to look up at him and he was smiling down at me. He said, That is your treasure chest. Go ahead and open it. I was so overwhelmed, I just wrapped my arms around the chest for a few minutes. The angels seemed to understand and just stood patiently waiting. Finally, I carefully opened the lid and looked into the chest. It was full of beautiful garments, which represented righteous hearts, works of purity, I believe. I reached in and pulled out the first garment. It read, Anger has been overcome. I held it up to my body, and as soon as I did, it conformed itself to my body and fit like a glove. The angel told me that I looked so beautiful in that garment. Garments represent works, right? And we've been prepared for good works, right? He said to me, go ahead and try on the next one. So I did. As I tried on each of the garments, they all fit because they were made just for me. How humbling this is. We really do have treasure in heaven. Well, notice that our treasure is for those who dwell in heavenly places in Christ and put on the life of Christ. The Lord loves us so much, she said. Amen. Well, God will dress in beautiful garments those who overcome sin by His grace. Isaiah 52 and 1. Awake, awake, and put on strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. So the bride in Revelation 21, 9 and 10 said, For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Amen. No one unclean or uncircumcised or sowing of flesh will be in the bride. Notice. Jude 1 and 23 says, And some save, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Some people's garments are spotted by flesh, that because their works are that way. The righteous hate to be displeasing to the Father. They want a pure, clean garment. They want to act in agreement with God's Word. Revelation 3 and 5, He that overcometh shall thus be arrayed in white garments, and I will in no wise blot his name out of the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Overcoming is represented by white garments and eternal life. 3 and 4 says, But thou hast a few names in Sardis that did not defile their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So those whose works are pure and undefiled walk in white. 16 and 15, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walked naked and they see his shame. Well, it's like being in the wedding feast and not having a wedding garment on, right? Amen. And 3 and 18 says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold refined by fire that thou mayest become rich And white garments that thou mayest clothe thyself and that the shame of thy nakedness be not made manifest. And I salve to anoint thine eyes that thou mayest see all the benefits of walking holy before the Lord. And nakedness here represents sin as does dark spots on a a white garment. Uh, We must give our old life to receive our new life. Amen? We recognize that we no longer are sinners. We are saved by grace. Zechariah 3 and 3. Now Joshua, representing, I believe in this text, the body of Jesus or the body of Christ, was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel And he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, Take the filthy garments from off of him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, which Jesus did. And I will clothe thee with rich apparel. Mm -hmm. So God has accomplished our perfection through Christ. And now we must take advantage of this by faith and repentance. We must believe it to see it. Isaiah 61 and 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness And as a bridegroom decketh himself with a garland, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. The white garment here is the garment of uh, manifested salvation. Amen? And 59 and 6. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity and the act of violence is in their hands. So we're weaving a garment with our good works, but he calls it a web because there's not enough good works to cover them, right? The the wicked (laughs) Christians, quote unquote, uh, works of righteousness are not enough to cover their nakedness. We are making our, our covering by our actions that are in agreement with the Word. Ecclesiastes 9 and 8 says, Let thy garments be always white. Let not thy head lack oil. Well, notice again that your works of righteousness will bring the anointing, as one of our revelations showed clearly. Psalm four. 45 and 8 says in all thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia Exodus 29 and 29 and the holy garments of Aaron representing our high priest Jesus shall be for his sons after him to be anointed in them and to be consecrated in them Well, this is so true. Uh, Our high priest, you know, uh, his garments have been passed on to us. Uh, We are to reckon ourselves to be dead in the sin, but alive unto God. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. So we know that um, what Jesus did at the cross in making an exchange, he made an exchange of his life for ours, and now we have his life. According to the word of God. 19 and 10 says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their garments. So in the text, this was so that they could meet the Lord on the third day. Hmm. Genesis 49 and 11. Binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He hath washed his garments in wine, his vesture in the blood of grapes. I think the meaning here is probably washing your garments in the blood of Jesus, signified by the wine as it is in the Lord's Supper, right? And 27 and 15. And Rebekah took the goodly garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Jacob was given the anointing and the double portion that Esau was supposed to have had. He gave it up because he walked after the flesh and persecuted his brother, right? And 35 and 2 Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, and purify yourselves and change your garments. In other words, turn from idols of religion and change your garments. We are all to walk. Jesus is not only our sacrifice, he is our example. We are to walk as he walked. Let everyone that says they abide in him walk as he walked. Do we see that in religion? No, they put out a different perspective. But we have to study the scripture to show ourselves approved and to learn to walk as he walked. Uh, Yes, it would be strange in religious, uh, places, but that's what we have to do. That's what we're called to do. If they won't let you do that there, go somewhere else. Deuteronomy 22 and 5 says, A woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For whosoever doeth these things is an abomination unto the Lord thy God. What it's talking about is putting on uh, the nature, the walk, and the acts of the opposite sex. God describes this as an abomination. Some people say, well, women wear pants, but these are pants that are made for the woman, right? Not pants that are made for the man. We hope so, anyway. Uh, Psalm 73 and 6 says, Therefore pride is as a chain about their neck. Violence covereth them as a garment. Well, pride, judging, criticism, railing, are spiritual violence against others. It is a polluted garment. 109 and 18. He clothed himself also with cursing as with his garment, and it came into his inward parts like water, and like oil into his bones. That's just another way of saying they reap what they sow. If you sow cursing and judgment against others, that's what you will reap from God. Isaiah 50 and 9, Behold, the Lord will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Behold, all they shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. In other words, their holes will show through and their nakedness will appear, right? Persecutors' garments will be destroyed by the curse. Amen. 59.17, And he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a mantle. So, before God, we wear what we do. That's how he sees us. And in this case, Jesus was coming with the garments of vengeance against the wicked. Because they do evil. 61 and 3, "...to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them a garland for ashes." the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Amen. 64 and 6. For we are all become as one that is unclean, and all of our righteousness are as a polluted garment. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. So, uh, the unclean and the polluted in their actions are taken away by winds of doctrines and tribulations. We can, we can wear the nature of evil spirits. And when we do, um, judgment comes. Micah 2 and 8 says, But of late my people is risen up as an enemy. You strip the robe from off the garment from them. In other words, there are people who are nothing but stumbling blocks. They're deceivers. They're stumbling blocks. God said he will remove all the stumbling blocks. Uh, So, you strip the robe from off the garment from them that pass by securely. As men averse from war. Yeah, the wicked among God's people pervert souls and destroy garments of righteousness. Malachi 2 and 16. For I hate putting away, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and him that covereth his garment with violence, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that you deal not treacherously, Well, in the natural, this is is saying one thing, but in the spiritual, it's much bigger. But many divorce without the scriptural reason of fornication or the unbeliever departing. They are spotting their garment. Amen. Matthew 22 and 11 says, But when the king came in to behold the guests, he saw there a man who had not on a wedding garment. In other words, they weren't prepared by their works uh, to be in the marriage, right? And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Well, he obviously didn't know it was necessary. He obviously wasn't reading his word, right? 27 and 35, And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments among them, casting lots. So the wicked criticize and despise the actions of the righteous. Yeah. It's cool to be a fool, is their way of thinking, and the things that they laugh about, and so on. Mark two and twenty one No man soweth a piece of undressed cloth on an old garment else that which should fill it up taketh from it the new from the old, and a worse rent is made. Yep, when it shrinks it just makes it look funny, doesn't it? Uh righteous acts on a sinner's garment are useless. And cannot cover I mean, they think, well, I do this, I do that, you know, but you must be born from above. And uh, in other words, your good works must come from a good spirit. All right? 10 and 50. And he, casting away his garment, sprang up and came to Jesus. Well, we must cast away our old life and come to Jesus. Jude 1 and 23, And some save, snatching them out of the fire, and on some have mercy with fear, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So we must hate the garment spotted by the flesh as um, we do not get uh, the reward we would get or we miss heaven completely. And we must repent. Repent means change your mind. Amen. Revelation 16 and 15 says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Well, when you failed the Lord and your works are works of darkness, you need to repent. Confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He can cleanse your garment, but you've got to admit that what you do that's wrong is wrong. It's evil. It's sin. Some people can't do that. Their, their pride will not let them or their fear of rejection won't let them confess their sins and especially sins that they've done to other people around them and if they don't do it they don't have a clean garment that's very clear 1 John 1 7-9 so Jesus is coming soon and you need to be ready we all need to be ready this is a, a prayer uh, for enemies to be thwarted by Debbie Finsky 9:30 and 22. Thank you, Lord, that you are accomplishing your purposes in your elect, and in their troubles and persecutions, you will cause many to turn to you, to seek you and to acknowledge you. We know that our enemies are your enemies. And as they work to cut us off, to keep us from manifesting your glory, you, Lord, will scatter and consume them and silence them, no matter how many are set against us. Thank you that you've shown us that we have a part in using our authority to cast down every enemy That rises up against us. Yes, we were redeemed from the hand of all of our enemies. Luke chapter two tells us very clearly. Thank you, Lord. We need to believe it and confess it and thank God for it. And she went on to say, and we thank you that many of the people who come against us will turn to you and seek your name. Thank you for the victory we have over our spiritual enemies that we face each day. Thank you for your great mercy in helping us to overcome all the things that come against our minds, spirits, and bodies. I thank you that we can believe and confess that we are more than conquerors through faith in him that loved us and gave himself up for us. Thank you, Father. Oh, that is so true. Thank you, Father. Well, Lord, uh, we pray, Lord, that, um, you know, the things that we've looked at today will cause people to examine um, not only your great and wonderful benefits, but, but any willful disobediences that they're dealing with in their lives. We ask, Lord, that everyone desires after those clean garments, righteous, pure, and holy garments. We ask that you grant repentance to any who are listening, uh, to any who have not understood everything or maybe don't remember everything we talked about. Lord, we pray they will go back and go through this again and examine themselves and be right with the Lord. Lord, everything that we do, we need to do it with all diligence. The diligence shall bear rule. Your word is clear. And uh, we ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, that everyone are here for one purpose, really, because life is very fleeting. It's over in a short time, and we go one place or the other. And we ask, Lord, that everyone take this seriously. We have a certain amount of time to bear the fruit of Jesus Christ, as in the parable of the sower, and three out of four will fail, because they don't take this seriously. They started out in a ball of fire, and they ended up distracted by the things of the world and lost out. So, Lord, we just ask you in Jesus' name that your people, who love you with all their hearts, will Be overcomers in all things and seek to be uh, first in the kingdom. And um, Lord, we just pray and ask, Lord, that the people who are studying to be in the bride will take these things seriously, Lord, and uh, that you will grant them repentance from every direction that is just, just a distraction of the time that we have left to come into your image. I ask, Lord, that you uh, grant all that listen today, Lord, the faith that Jesus already uh, delivered us out of the power of darkness and um, that he already made reconciliation. That means an exchange of his life for ours. And we reach out and take a free gift of the life of Jesus and uh, and we repent of the life that we have lived Father we thank you so much Father for what you're doing in our lives thank you for drawing us so that we can run after Jesus and uh, he is our goal he is the prize of the high calling of God uh, thank you Lord that we will manifest everything that he is because we believe in you we believe in your word help us Lord to and bring to our remembrance Lord all the promises that you've made to us Help us to be obedient and uh, faithful to those promises, to confess them before men, because our Father is faithful. Uh, by grace have you been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man shall boast. So, Lord, we can't work our way to heaven, but we can faith our way to heaven. And thank you, Father, for that, the free gift of life through Jesus Christ who was given unto us Lord you were you faithful to give us your only son and uh, we know that you won't begrudge us the bow <laughs> so to speak everything else is insignificant compared to the gift of Jesus that you gave unto us Father uh, we don't live anymore he lives in us that is the gift of jesus and that is the faith that we use to receive this gift thank you so much father for your mercy and your grace towards us in drawing us today unto you thank you lord for taking distractions out of our life lord that we know that the most important thing in this life is to come to know you and uh, in order to do that we need a love of your word lord and I ask that you bless everyone who joined us today to love your word and seek to be in alignment with your word. Amen. Thank you so much, Father. In the name of Jesus. All right, saints. God bless you and keep you. We'll do this again pretty soon. Mm
0: Bye-bye. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123 my thirsting soul pure as water made me whole let your streams of mercy flow oh Jesus I trust in you though the mountains fall into the sea though the rivers rise I still believe For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true oh Jesus in you, and when I face that darkest night, what will be my guiding light? The shining rays of red and white, Jesus. I trust in you, oh, sacred heart in you. I find.